broadcasting from Chico, California. This is the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast, where we discuss NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fishery science and management, conservation, and more. No better, fish better. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. This episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast is brought to you by California Trout. Working throughout the state to ensure we have resilient wild fish thriving in healthy waters for a better California. Support Caltrout's innovative science-based work by becoming a member or donating today at caltrout.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Hanna. I'm here with uh, Chad Alderson and uh, a special guest, Dan Rooster-Levins. Dan, how's it going? Just fine. Thank you. Hey, uh, so obviously uh, I called Dan um, a, a week ago to, to get him on our podcast and talk about mo- fishing in Montana. And, um, you know, we we were talking about travel plans and uh, going fishing in certain places. And, um, and we kind of came to the same assumption that, you know, maybe next week we'll be talking. We'll have a different subject to talk about. It's amazing how things how fast things have changed. Yeah. Uh, for everybody in this in this world with yeah. the coronavirus. I, I think um, because this is a dynamic thing and it's changing daily, what we normally don't do is is call out dates and, and, and things like years and dates for our shows. But I think um, this one for historical purposes in the, you know, in the annals of our, our episodes, I think we it's appropriate to call out the dates because we are going to be doing uh, multiple, multiple episodes um, around the the. the the COVID virus uh, nineteen as it as it as it impacts the the fly fishing industry and the fishing industry in general. Um, everybody listening um, is is somehow attached to this sh- attached to the industry. Whether you're 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 a uh, an angler yourself, um, either a full time guide um, and everything in between. There's there's lots of lots of folks we're going to be bringing on um, into this. So today is uh, March twentieth, I believe. Is that right, guys? Yeah. March 20th, mm-hmm. uh, 2 p.m. on March 20th. We've just been given a, um, not a shelter in place order, but, but close here in California, in Northern California. And those restrictions vary by, um, by, by county. Um, I'm learning. Um, I talked to the fly shop today about an hour ago up in Reading and they're, they're guiding people as far as I, I can tell. They've got like th- four or five boats out. And that seems to be one of the, one of the things it's okay to do, at least here in Butte County. And, uh, I guess, are they in, what are they in Lassen County? Yeah. Yeah. Different County. Yeah. In Lassen County, but that does vary, um, County by County and state by state. Obviously every state, uh, is handling the situation a little bit differently. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy in Chico, you know, um, I've been, I, I drove around today and picked up some, some supplies and, um, you know, the checkout, checkout lines are a lot different than i'm used to you know it's, it's kind of nice six feet of space is kind of nice i like my room but it's just it's a surreal environment and everybody's kind of just looking around and wondering what the fuck's going on you know um so it's a dynamically changing thing and we're gonna be calling out the dates and times for e- each one of these shows going forward for at least the next couple of weeks i think we got at least two weeks of um content we're gonna try and drop two per um two per week going forward just to keep you guys abreast of the changes once again because everything's changing so dynamically um i just wanted to put some context around it nick before we get into the details but i'll turn it back over to you okay 
Yeah, you're still going? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I just want to give that, <laughs> okay, that no. little bit of context. Yeah, well, I, I want to uh, give Rooster an opportunity to introduce himself, but before yeah. I do, Rooster, I've got to uh, I've got to read word for word a post that you just you you put on Instagram recently, and and I think it'll give our listeners just a, an idea of what the type of guy you are, because um, as everybody knows, you, you, we see all this crazy information come across our platforms, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or the news channel. And, um, you, when you and I spoke, you know, we were, we were heading places, we were going to doing stuff, you know, and, and you looked at this as not a, a big, a, a big deal. And, um, obviously a lot's changed, but I just want to read this post real quick. Cause I think it's awesome. Um, sure. so bear with, bear with me everybody. And then rooster, I'll obviously give you a chance to, to give your two cents, but, um, and, and rooster is, uh, he's the owner and operator of Stonefly Outfitters up in Twin Bridges, Montana. Okay. A word from Rooster and his five bird dogs regarding social distancing, school closures, canceled flights, canceled plans, canceled life. I canceled the steelhead trip yesterday. I've never canceled anything. You all know me. I'm not the one to cancel. Fact is, the more risk, the more I wanted to go. Except now. Now is the time to hold those close, even closer. Be the leader in your world. Our kids, friends, and dogs need leaders, not followers. This will pass. We will be stronger nation when it does. The market will rebound. Trout will rise. Bird dogs will still point. Our kids will achieve greatness. We might even look back and laugh about a few things. I know I will. Remember this when you need to put some distance between cause and effect. If you are near, your old buddy Rooster has a shitload of cabins and beds and a great place to escape. I'm not charging for cabins right now, but you can expect to do a bit of cleaning, a bit of fishing, and a bit of gopher shooting. And laugh a lot. We likely even, sorry, we'll likely even eat well. Twin Bridges is a damn fine place to weather this storm. If you are far, I'm in the shop every day and love shooting the breeze. Yep, Rooster's Life Coaching Service is open. Call me, text me, message me here. This will pass. We are doing the right thing. I'm thinking of y'all. Trust your guide on that one. Damn, that's well said. I I thought that was an awesome, awesome post, man. Do you want to know how many glasses of uh, Old Crow whiskey I had before I wrote it? (laughs) (laughs) How many? I think that was on number three. Yeah, that was was great, man. Just super from the heart, authentic, you know, loved it. Well, I think it's important that, um, that we all keep that mentality throughout whatever it is we're facing. Um, you know, a week ago, I was going fishing, then I was going turkey hunting. Now I'm not. I've got my the uh, the governor shut uh, schools down in Montana, and uh, I have a couple of girls, nine and fourteen years old, and now I'm teaching school every day. That they're they're kicking ass and going going to work in the morning, calving and coming back and hitting the books, and then we go out and do something fun every evening and. Uh, Honestly, this little valley doesn't seem like a whole a whole heck of a lot has changed. Um, everybody's terrified of this virus, this virus, this virus. Uh, I I got I got to tell you, you guys, and to the listeners, um, we don't really need to fear the virus. We have to fear ourselves. And what's terrifying to me is the unknowing. No one knows what's coming down the line. And the fact is, most people don't handle that sort of information very well. Yeah. So it is time 
to be with the people you trust and know. It is not time to be out and about in an airports and, and putting yourself in any sort of risk for uh, something bad to happen. Far yeah. and away above the virus. Um, yeah. I, I think we're all, I think we're kidding ourselves if we don't think we're going to see some, some pretty bad violence coming down the line. I hate to say it, well, but I think as a father and a fisherman, I think you got to accept the reality of this. I've been wondering when that was going to happen because it's been pretty calm so far. But yeah, um, I mean, I want to. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves on that one, guys. Um, and you know, this platform, I I think it's not right to right. talk about right. stuff I, like that. I agree. Just yet. I agree. My, um, my the, the backstory. I, 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 I don't my, agree. I don't agree with that. I think um, you know, I, I I what I've seen in our community, Rooster, is that people are coming together. Um, I I watched somebody today. You know, by buy a couple loaves of bread cash and they left them $30 tip, you know, uh-huh. and, that's and outstanding. I, and I think that that's happening all over the community, man. And all yeah, over the, I, all over the nation. I've heard some different stories, but like you said, let's, let's just not get into those. Yeah. But, um, I've been yeah. Feeling phone calls from customers all over the United States for five yeah. days. Yeah. And, yeah, and I know I'm sure that there's pockets, but I, you know, we, the message I want to promote here is that, you know, hunker down and take care of your, take care of yourself, but also work with your community too, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you do see that stuff, squash it. Yeah. Avoid it. Squash it. Call yeah. the authorities. Yeah. But um, sure, we're, the bottom line is we're all better people than that. Yeah. And at some point, yep. we'll have a better understanding of what's going on, and that'll subside. This is going to go away. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main thing is, you know, it's it's not our overwhelming the the health, you know, our, our our ability to to you know put people on ventilators and stuff like that, and that's why they're being pretty pretty aggressive with uh, the lockdown, you know. Um, Correct. Because it's a different beast. Correct. It's definitely not the flu. It's a different beast. It's characteristics of the flu, but it's definitely not the flu uh, as we know it. Right. But, um, yeah. So where do you, where do you want to take this, Nick really quick before, you know, we get into it? Cause I don't want to, I don't want to um, talk about stuff that I'm not qualified to talk about also. And I'm kind of feeling like I'm in that space as well. Agreed. Yeah. Right. Well, let's, let's, um, you want to start by talking about, um, your, your home area, uh, rooster and, and the, the fishing that goes that hopefully we'll be doing some of come here in a couple of months, um, up there in Montana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fact is, we're already doing it. Um, this is a pretty neat area, guys. It, I don't, it sounds like, Nick, you've, you've been up here fishing through mm-hmm. college or something like that. But uh, the, the real unique part about Twin Bridges is, is it's so antiquated. It's still so real, so cowboy, so Montana. Um, fact is, our city council's trying to, trying to bring in a resort tax on the town and I had a cup of coffee with a rancher this morning and even the ranchers don't want that. It's uh we don't want to be West Yellowstone. We don't want to be Ennis. We, we want to be twin bridges and it takes a little doing to get here, but it, you get what you pay for. And it's uh it's a great place to live and an even better place to vacation. Yeah. Just um, geographically. I mean, I know it sounds like it's in Montana, obviously, but what, what part of the state is it? Southern, Northern, Eastern, Western. We're down the Southwest corner. We're about, okay an hour and a half from the 
Bozeman Airport and about an hour and a half from Yellowstone National Park. Oh, okay, cool. A lot, lot of water through there, I assume. Yeah, right. And within an hour's drive, there's over 500 miles of floatable trout water. And that's not, I couldn't begin to venture a guess on how many feeder creeks and mountain lakes and all that other stuff there is here that, that harbors fish. One of the, one of my mentors in the sport told me one time, he said, if there's moving water in Montana, there's trout in it. Yeah. That's and cool. uh, I found nothing that to be nothing but true. Are you, are you they guys, are you at an elevation where you can fish all year or do you guys switch it up halfway through the season? How does that work? It's pretty well over by Halloween, November 1st, right in there. Our three stones will ice up. Um, we've got a nice tailwater here called the Beaverhead River that, that won't ice over, but uh, I don't, you know, after a season of running around this country, I, I've i seen enough trout come November. I'm ready to take a break. <laughs> right. And then what do you guys, do you guys just kind of take it easy during that time, or is there something else you guys transition to from a business perspective? Well, business-wise, it never stops with the bookings and reservations and marketing and yeah. communicating with customers and you know, the bills come 12 months a year. So somebody's got to deal with that. Yeah, um, kind of sucks out of that. But I transition into bird dog training and run around the country chasing oh, wild cool. birds. Yeah. Do you do competitions and stuff? No, sir. I don't. I, 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 I was in one little bird hunt competition one time and I unloaded my gun and walked off the, <laughs> walked off the field. It wasn't what I was in it for. Right. Um, so Nick, what, you know, what do you guys, uh, what are you guys thinking in terms of just, just covering? Cause I've got, you know, I've got questions around the current state of things and how it relates to, cause it, we, we, we spoke a bit rooster before this, we hit record and, um, you've been doing this for over 30 years and, and you've, you've been through two downturns in the economy this, this whole time. So I'm, I'm curious around how, you know, in 2099, 2000, when, when things, you know, when the, the tech bubble popped and there was some, you know, residual effects on the market, how you dealt with it personally with your business. And then also again, in, in 2008, um, what, you know, looking back in, in time at those two points and also, um, how that relates to today, or if it does, if you see any similarities or if differences in what those are. Well, I, I'm a little afraid we're talking apples and oranges. Um, yeah. yeah. This is likely to be quite a bit more devastating than the, you know, the most recent stock market crash in 2008. Um, my business actually increased in 2008, 2009 by 15%. Hmm. It seemed to me at that point in time, you know, the large percentage of, of customers, guests that I have, aren't nearly as affected by by a downturn in the economy. They, they're, they've got got money to vacation with and they're going to do it one way or the other um, right because this instance we're coming into here now where we could potentially not have uh, domestic airlines running mm-hmm. that's going to squash me I'll, I'll i'll just close i'll turn the lights off it'll, it'll be over and at that point i won't be the only one um it's every man for themselves how, how much money did you have saved up yeah, because out out where you are, it most of your business is going to be you know coming in from from folks through via the airport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very few 
of our guests will arrive uh, via their own vehicle. I think last year we did right around 1,600 guide trips, and uh, I think only 75 or 80 of those were Montana residents. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so that's yeah. where that's fundamentally what the difference is for you. Then it's just the the, the it's the it's the ability to get out there. You know, is is Correct. cut off. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Did anybody take you up on your uh, your offer for your cabins? Did you get any any takers? <laughs> got, got a pretty nice week of buddies coming in for snowmobiling, go for shooting, and, <laughs> and barbecues. I did actually. Yeah. Well, I cool. wanted to forward that message to my dad and be like, "Hey, this is where you need to go right now. Put mm-hmm. your put your fifth wheel on the truck and go." <laughs> yeah. Fact you know, is, I even had an old girlfriend from back in the early '90s uh, message me on Facebook today, and and uh, of course, I hadn't really spoke to her much in the last 25 years. But uh, she's bringing her husband and daughter over next Thursday. Going to be neat. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the the one thing that I've noticed is that it's it is forcing people to reconnect, you know, and whether that be with your own children or at home or just people you haven't had the time to call because you've been too busy with work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've I've been getting calls from people mm-hmm. that I haven't talked to in a couple of years, and it's just kind of good to catch up that way. Um, yeah, you know, I'm. Yeah, I, you know my my feelings are. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, uh, a lot in the last week, you know, and what the effects going to be on the, the economy at large and specifically around the fly fishing bit or the, you know, just the fishing business in general. Um, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, thought about getting outdoors and doing this and that they just don't have time. And now they're kind of being forced to, and by doing so they're, they're kind of getting, they're seeing the benefit of it. And you, you might see people, you know, make some, make some changes. I'm not saying they're going to be, a hundred percent of those people are going to go, go, go and do something different. But if you may, this, this is going to be lasting long enough to be habit forming, which is, you know, 21 days basically is what all the research says. Um, when you, when you get into a groove and you, you get, you know, get, get some positive benefits out of a new habit. Um, these things are likely to stick. So my, my mm-hmm. thought is we were going to get a lift, you know, in for the industry as a whole by just, sheer numbers you know new people coming to the sport and sticking this time mm-hmm. you know yeah mm-hmm. i've seen i've seen that with a lot of my hunting friends you know kind of at the beginning just making fun of the the lack of food in our grocery stores you know and saying yeah. I, I bet these people bet these people are gonna think about hunting in a whole different perspective you know absolutely i uh, got a kind of a couple of acquaintances in butte not far from here and uh they're they're a little disgruntled at what's available in the markets. The population yeah. in Butte a little bigger than Twin Bridges, and uh, I just brought them a load of elk meat. I said, "This this will hold you over for a little while, anyhow. Yeah. Don't waste it. You know, it, it's a finite supply, but I've got a bunch. Yeah, and uh, you know, these fellas they're going elk hunting with me next fall. So there's there's some positives." to be taken from what's happening. And I think you're right, Chad. Uh, people are going to discover the outdoors or rediscover it. Yeah. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a mix of both. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about just how I, just people stuck in an apartment, you know, in a you know 20 story building, not able to go anywhere, you know, and, and some of the places like how fortunate 
when other people are just to be able to step outside and hit a trail and, and be up, be up in a hill, you know, yeah. or be on a hike, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think, I think you're going to see a lot of people moving out of urban, you know, densely populated <laughs> urban centers. Um, you know, I, I lived in the Bay area and I lived in, in Santa Monica, which is in LA. And, um, I, you know, growing up on a farm and having no neighbors and then knowing what that's like, and then also experiencing this completely polar opposite end of, of it in terms of urban living. Um, I, I had anxiety, you know, I was, you know, I was in the earthquake down in the Bay area, uh, when that, when that popped off and I got a little taste of what, you know, it's like to be kind of in a, in a densely populated place and have the shit hit the fan you know, and, mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a ton of anxiety. And even when I was in LA and a little, you know, tremor would come through every, I would say every three months on, on average, man, my hackles would go back on the back of my neck. And, um, I think that this is going to, you know, make people reevaluate their current lifestyles of, you know, driving to work an hour and a half, two hours a day for their commute and realizing, you know, after being able to telecommute for who knows how long, um, that they can still be effective from work. They may have some serious uh, life changes and maybe want to go to spots that are a little less, little less crowded, uh, better just quality of, of life and work balance and, and get outdoors more because of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. You know? I agree. And I, I think we got to assume that some folks that are, that are listening to this are sitting on the 20th floor right now of an apartment building and, you know, and I think a message that we need to convey to those folks is thank you. You're, you're doing the right thing. Uh, yeah, like any of, other storm, it'll pass. Yeah. Right? We're, you know, we're lucky where we are, you know, we, uh, in, in Chico, it's a, it's a, everybody, you know, it's a pretty, pretty, um, I would say spread out kind of an urban environment, but we only have a hundred thousand people and there's been no reported cases as of this morning. Um, I looked on, on the, the county website and there's zero, zero cases in Butte County right now. now. That doesn't mean that there aren't cases because they're statistically, there probably are, but the reported cases and they haven't tested a bunch of people. It's been, I talked to one of the city council members this morning and they've only, they've tested less than a hundred people, but, um, you know, this is a good thing and, and it gives us a little, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky that way because in Santa Clara County and in the, these other bigger urban areas there's a lot of there's you know this is where all of our california numbers are coming up out of is is either in the bay area or, or los angeles so to your point rooster to make a very long-winded you know agreement with you um that person on the 20th floor of their apartment building that might be listening you know it takes a lot of courage to sit there and hunker down and and do this but it's you know it's helping helping keep yeah. the, you know so yeah. we thank it you absolutely I, I keep thinking about, um, you know, everybody watching, you know, Netflix or Disney plus, and, um, it's, it's hard not to want to, um, invite people into the fly fishing industry through, through fly time, you know? Um, and I wanted to promote, you know, to try to whoever, if they had the ability to, to, to buy, you know, support a local fly shop, if they had the money and obviously things are weird and tight right now. So yeah. it's hard to say stuff like that, but you know, to get a fly tying kit and, and, you know, start trying to do something a, a, a little bit different, you know, than, than turn on the, turn on the TV, you know, Absolutely. Um, I've yeah. seen several guys. I, I think it was Mike Schultz out of Michigan, uh, did a virtual tying night, but uh, last night 
And uh, yep. I can't remember how many viewers or participants there were, but there were some. It was good. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen quite a few guides doing that with the Instagram Live and whatnot, and they're you know they're I'm I'm seeing thirty, forty, fifty concurrent views, people watching it. That kind of content, you guys, um, you know, it just helps people keep their mind off what's going on. So I encourage everybody that, can, that has that skill set to do it. You kind of almost have a responsibility to do it, you know. Exactly. Um, yeah, and you know, I I've, I've been time flies for forty years, and. Um, this winter, I kind of challenged myself to learn how to tie some new patterns. And, of course, I've been teaching my 14-year-old daughter um, how to help tie some bugs that we sell in the shop, some worms and pheasant tails, some pretty easy stuff. What's, what's staggering to me is even after 40 years of doing it, with the advent of some newer materials and newer resins and cures, I can learn something any night. I click on YouTube and, and just enter in UV resin. Yeah. My God, it's fascinating. And, and it yeah. can chew up hours of your evening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now it's, if, it's amazing. If you, I've, yeah. I've been talking to, to Nick and friend, my other friends about YouTube for the last, you know, four years. I mean, when, when we decided to do this podcast, we knew nothing about audio engineering and guess where we went. We didn't go to college. We went on YouTube and figured out what we needed to do to get it done at that point sure. in time, you know, and if you're like thinking, if you're in a job that you don't like and you're thinking about doing something different, Jesus, no, no time's better than right now to retrain no, and scale up on something new. Absolutely. And and if you're tying and, and want to learn some new stuff, I mean, it's fascinating. There's some guys out there, some sincere professionals that are taking the time to make an instructional yep. video. Yep. I'm such a secretive bastard. If I get a fly that's working, <laughs> I don't want, I'm not going to put it on YouTube. Yeah, but that's me. There, but there's still there's still a lot you guys could be doing though too. You know, even <laughs> even just showing how to people how to whip finish. You know, whip sure. the, do a whip finish with your hands or do it with the tool or whatever. Um, right. You know, and and for those other people listening that have these skill sets we're talking about, even if you get one or two people on your on your view, who gives a fuck? It's like you've <laughs> you've impacted one one or two people. And got them off, you know, got their head, their mind out of out of whatever it is they were thinking about that's stressing them out. You know, any any right. little reprieve we can give each other is 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 a good thing right now. Fly tying is a cool thing too. You you got to be, you have to be one hundred percent kind of focused and thinking about what you're doing. You know, it's a lot of hand eye coordination, and you talk about forgetting whatever is going on around you. You can erase hours from yeah. a day. Yep just by focusing on, on that vice and on the fly and what you're trying to make on the craft, it, right? Yeah. It, it is. A, it's a true art form. Yeah. We had a listener uh, tell us, he's like, yeah, man, I, your podcast is so awesome. I, I just sit down. I, I'm tying flies. I've got my pods in. I'm listening to the podcast. The TV's on, you know, my wife walks in and she, I can see her kind of yelling at me, but I don't know what she's saying. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was able to, I was able to check out, you know, and it, it makes me laugh right now thinking about it. Cause uh, I just saw somebody post, um, they're like, yeah, this quarantine's kind of great. You know, my lady and I, yeah, we've had sex like three or four times now. Um, we broke up almost 11. Hold on. She's <laughs> coming at me with a knife. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I've experienced this firsthand with my lady you know we're both we, our kids on spring break and so we 
the one year old or whatever. And I, he's been home and we've been working from the house. And, you know, somebody was saying that, you know, that just the typing can, can annoy somebody, you know, and uh, somebody had a good, um, a good idea. They're like, just create an imaginary friend in the house and just start blaming them for everything that's going on, you know, <laughs> while you're in quarantine. <laughs> well, one thing's for certain, there's going to be a ba- baby boom after, you know, with the, over, I was just going to ask over you the next about year that. and a half. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. Well, I broke up with my girlfriend right before this, so there's not going to be a baby boom with Twin Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, just in, just people are, you know, by they're, they're locked up. There's not much to do. So, Hey, yeah, you're going to run out of condoms eventually. Right. And you know, the, <laughs> that, that pull out method doesn't work. Trust me. I, I know. <laughs> oh, man, I could make man. so many jokes there, but I won't. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, we gotta stop and, and laugh a little bit in times like yeah, these. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You gotta maintain a sense of humor with all this. I don't. I've been getting so many crazy memes. My my favorite's got to be Wood. If you guys know who I'm talking about, you know, um, <laughs> in all of his various forms, he's that that meme is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. Oh, I, I might. I can send it to you. I'll have Nick send it to you because I I, I don't really know you that well, Rooster, and I don't want to offend you. So. Oh, it's a red. You can't offend me. Okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Rooster, what's your favorite thing to do over there in Montana? I mean, you know, we have some killer trout fishing here in California, but um, I think what stood out to me the most in, about Montana, I know we're just jumping from one thing to the next here, but um, while it's on my head, uh, you know, I, I went to that high plateau area to, to catch some big trout on dry flies, right? That's why a lot of people come out there is to experience the dry fly fishing that you guys have in montana which is which is fantastic and then one of my next favorite things to do is throw streamers you know which is also a really popular thing to do um talk talk talk, maybe talk about that a little bit sure yeah you know um that's all good and and i guess my favorite thing about about the fishery in in southwest montana is the diversity of it I, i never ever fish the same place the day after I fished it, it might be a week before I go back in that stretch of river or to even that river. Um, and you can, you can want to throw dries all you want. Um, fact is our Browns are pretty finicky. It's, it's gotta be right to catch them feeding on top. You need to have a hatch. Mm-hmm. It does happen. And some cloud cover absolutely helps, but the diversity of it and open-minded anglers going to have, chances at more big fish probably here than in, in most places um and with a little bit of cooperation from the fish he'll, he'll realize those chances and he'll he'll have the opportunity to put in front of him um, it's the diversity of it I, I i use i use the term fishing very broad we, we might do we might do six or eight different techniques before lunch especially if wow. the bastards aren't biting then i'm really going to start going through the motions <laughs> wow. um, so that keeps keeps you as a guide, uh, keeps you thinking, keeps you keeps you on your toes, and yeah, you, you get to see different water. Um, like two summers ago, I had kind of a, a handshake bet going with a good customer of mine that's fished out here for quite some time, and uh, I went thirty six days in a row guiding 
between, I think that that started July 4th. We was drinking at the Annis Rodeo and, and it had gotten in a big crowd of salmon fly fishermen that day. And uh, the following summer, I started on that day on July 4th, 5th, and went 36 days without seeing another fisherman. Not a person. It was really something. Mm. I admittedly probably didn't catch as many fish as I wanted to, but I caught plenty, caught some every day. You know, how, how many trout do you need in a day to have a, a good day of fishing? Um, too many people get that that whole numbers thing just blown way out of proportion. Totally, uh, you make a great point. And I, I was when you say diversity, uh, the first thing that came to my mind is when I I did experience a summer in Montana, just out of high school, and um, you know, one of the guys there, he's he kind of turned me on to a lot of the tributaries that that flow into your main rivers, and I was tripping on the size of the trout and some of those little tiny streams you know they're oh, yeah. just massive massive fish and uh and they're all and so many bodies bodies of water so close together um he's like oh you don't need to put your rod away you know um, this is before kind of rod bolts and tubes and stuff being mounted to your truck he's like hey we just we just stick it right here in the windshield wiper let it let it rest on your the top of your windshield and as you drive it hold it down you're you're good to go and I was like, really? So that's what we did. We we would fish a spot, you know, put the rods on the windshield, put the uh, windshield wipers over the top of them so they didn't move and go on to the next spot, you know, then the next spot. Um, it was pretty amazing. Pretty cool. Rooster, what's going on with these big fish in these small streams? Because it's counterintuitive to me. Like, what what are they eating? And why they why is there so course. much food in, in these small streams? They, they, yeah, okay, I'm going to back you up just yeah. a second. People forget. Or, or perhaps haven't ever been told this, but all trout are salmonids, and they're migratory. Just because this one 18-inch brown trout that in a bigger river is kind of the normal. Yeah. It's because that's where he lives, and you catch him, and he's a nice one, and you get your grip and grin photo and put him back in. In a month, he might be up Mill Creek eating grasshoppers because there's more of them up there. Okay. They move with water temps and food availability. It, it'll happen on a daily basis, a weekly basis, and a monthly basis. They'll, you know, I'll, I'll start seeing a pattern based on water flows. All the fish are on the shallow insides. Well, as the river drops a little bit more, and gets a little kind of brighter. It's been sunny. We haven't had a rain day in a week. Those fish aren't anywhere near the inside of the river. They're all on the deeper cut bank. Or in the trenches. Well, as the river drops even a little bit more, of course, with the dropping river, you're going to warm up a little bit. Those fish will start swimming upstream, and they'll look for the cooler tents. And they'll hit the mouths of those feeder creeks, and guess what's coming in? A bunch of snowmelt water. Mm. Up them they go. And it's not always, and it, you, you kind of got to know where to look, but boy, they do it. They absolutely do it. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it does. It it it, it definitely helps. So there the, is a short answer, basically that um, they're likely resident in the main stem, but then they're also migratory, like you're saying, and they're going to go where where the where the food availability is at that given point in in time, and also are you know wary of water temp, so they're looking for maybe yeah. some spring runoff. Yeah, food sources and bugs. That's yeah. what they're chasing. They can find little fish about anywhere they live, but okay. especially our rainbows. They 
they're not the biggest carnivores. They'd rather eat bugs. Are you guys? Um, and, and, and sorry, I cut you off. What, what were you saying after that? That's okay. Okay. Um, are you guys throwing streamers for these guys in your region, or is it mostly nymphs, or how are you getting them? Yeah, oh, all of the above. Yeah, yeah. If it's cloudy, I love streamer fishing. Um, oh. And I suppose it's because I do it so often out here. Um, if I have a, a guest that wants to throw junk and throw streamers on July 20th, and it's 95 degrees, we haven't seen a cloud in three weeks, I'm going to probably try and talk to not. Yeah. <laughs> well, when, on those days where, you know, they're, they're your, your, um, your classic streamer days, streamer weather, um, conditions, I should say, what, can you talk about how you, how you do your color selection? Um, because I, I watch Kelly Gallup and he's got a certain, you know, methodology that he does. Do you, do you kind of, do you subscribe to any kind of like color way pattern? Like you start, you start, white and you kind of like good then you go brown and then you go green or can you talk about I that sure do. yeah what, I sure do, how, do you, how, how do you think about it i start with olive and i finish with olive <laughs> <laughs> and i don't change it okay that's easy then if i if it if it's really getting into my head and i don't and i might take a sharpie out a black one and i'll 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 start painting them, but olive, it, it just works. It, I take more olive lily buggers out of trout's mouths than any other fly. It's probably because that's what I fish. But at the end of the day, they bite it. If they're going to bite anything, they're going to bite all of it. And it, it's because it's right in the middle of that color scheme. It's not too dark. It's not too light. I, yeah. think, I think I'm playing the odds. I'm playing the sevens and elevens on that deal, right? Yeah. We, it was we really fish, go ahead. Yeah, we have a, a lot of crayfish here too, and, and the, the fish eat the hell out of crayfish. And that olive is about spot on for an immature, soft shelled crayfish. On, on the Truckee, they have um, you know there's certain times of the year in the fall when when the crayfish basically molt and their their exoskeletons get a lot more mushy, and those fish start to key on them. Do you guys have the same sort of thing going on? Absolutely. Yep. Middle of July. In July. Okay. Yep. And it, it's crazy because you can tell when it's happening. They, they molt. I should do a little more homework on, on crayfish. Maybe we get a scientist to call in and tell us. But, um, That's a good idea. It seems like when if I tip over a rock or two at, at uh, one of the boat launches on the lower big hole or Jefferson, and the, the little baby crayfish are there, the little, you know, they're maybe a half an inch long to an inch long, if that. Yeah. That's when the fish are on, and that, and then if you tip over some more rocks, they, they're soft shell, and so there's a, a hatch and a molt that happens at about the same time, and it lasts for like three weeks. And boy, that's what you're fishing. You're fishing that crayfish pattern, yeah. and you can feel the trout stomachs when you catch them. They're they're just full of them. Yeah, it's crazy how many they eat. Yeah, absolutely. You know when you're catching them and their claws are hanging out there. Their butt, you're, you're in the crayfish time of year. Just the, <laughs> the ultimate glutton. Um, yep. Okay, so are you dead drifting them? Or are you throwing them streamers, you, all of the above? What's your favorite technique? My favorite way to fish them, guys, is, is dry dropper. I'll fish a chubby or 
some floating device that I've tied. I'm kind of anti chubby Chernobyl. Um, can, yeah, explain. Uh, explain. We we got a, a a large contingent of new listeners. Can you explain what a Chernobyl is or chubby? Sure, uh, Chernobyl ant. You know, started in what the mid '90s. People started fished and foam and rubber legs, and it's evolved. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's gone full circle yet, but it's getting close. Um, it's a great indicator pattern that throws a great profile. You can buy it at any fly shop, at, at probably in the United States. Got a big uh, artificially fibered hair wing. I tie mine with EEP fibers. Um, most of the ones you buy will come with white wings, which I don't like. I like to tie them a little tan or black on the wing or something like that. But it, you could float a, a boat anchor underneath them. They're the ultimate uh, dry dropper fly. You know, it seems like our our fisheries kind of getting away from here's your thing of a bobber and your pat stone, sir. Throw it left and mend it. Um, I, I just don't even do that anymore. I I feel like I'm not teaching the the art and that. I'd rather have a guy learn something throughout the day than than catch twenty or thirty trout that the monkey could catch. <laughs> so by dry dropper fishing, you kind of got to be good at it. And to get those crayfish fishing right, if you, if you, a minute ago, I was talking about little babies under the rocks and yeah. soft-shelled bugs. If you grab one of those inch-long crayfish and you just throw it in the water, so he's been, he's been uh, dislodged from his happy place. That's how they get eaten by trout. Trout don't tip rocks over like raccoons. This bug is, is moving. They flutter, they, and they flutter downstream. So if you're going to throw streamers and strip them off the bank, that's not what a crayfish looks like. You've got to throw it to the bank, mend it downstream, and twitch it downstream so that bug starts fluttering up and down and up and down. And it, it just it's deadly with like a do you, two or three foot do you, uh, dropper. Do you ever just get in the middle of the, of the stream and just pitch to both banks and just quarter upstream absolutely all the time yeah. mm-hmm. if i'm wade fishing for sure yeah that, in fact that's i only wade fish upstream but that, that scenario yeah. that you describe where you're throwing a men downstream is is probably a pretty narrow narrow uh stream yeah um and let me, no it's like I, I i use that mend that initial mend is to sink the fly and i okay. i tie all my crayfish with with little tungsten beads, so they 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 really flutter. Um, one of my guides was kind of joking this summer. He had a he had a pretty banner day. It was a nice fish. God dang it! I was right around the most of the day watching watching it, just getting my ass kicked. Basically, here a twenty five year veteran on the Jefferson River, and I got a got a fucking twenty two year old kid just groping <laughs> me, and I had good anger. Yeah. The deal was my English were too good. Our drifts were too good. And I, I got Charlie aside that night. I said, what in the world were you doing? He's like, man, I just told him, get the worst drift you could get. God <laughs> almighty, they were catching fish. <laughs> that doesn't work every day, but, you know, that's the old definition of insanity, right? If it's not working, just mix it up. Yeah. Um, that's funny. When you, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. No, go for it. <laughs> I was just going to take this moment to um, plug our plug our other podcast that we have. You know, we um, 
And uh, Rooster, if you don't know about it, you know, we've, we've got this network going and we've got John McMillan up in the OP doing a podcast. It's fantastic. Uh, Matt Heron in Tahoe and Truckee uh, doing his thing. And then uh, Conway and Michelle Bowman um, down in San Diego uh, uh, doing their thing down there. Um, the reason I just wanted to pitch that real quick is there was a, an episode that John did recently with a, a, a Dr. Jack Stanford. Do you know of who I'm talking about? Uh, Rooster, by chance? I do not know him. So he was a, a biologist up in um, up in Montana, and um, he was studying stoneflies. And um, there was like ten different species of stoneflies that he was studying, and and he was finding all of them except a couple. And they were the adults; they were flying around, but he couldn't he couldn't for the life of him figure out where the hell the nymphs were. He had no idea, and. One uh, one year, uh, a town put in a new a well, and people started turning on water, and stoneflies were, were coming out of their coming out of their spout. Coming the larvae, the, the larvae. Yep, yep. So it looked like maggots. And, looked like maggots and, coming and, uh, out of the sink. And uh, the, one of the a biologists, you know, another entomologist, found them or was showing them, and then he's like, "Huh?" Oh, and took them to Jack, and Jack's like, "These are the these are the ones I can't find. Where did you find these?" Well, what happened is that, and then, and I didn't know this really until recently that, you know, underneath all of our river systems is, is a complex system of aquifers and, and more water that, that goes down, right? Um, that not only goes down, but it's, it's dimensional. So it goes down and it spreads out wide. So the river isn't just 10 feet wide. You know, that, that body of water goes way out and all the way to potentially the, the mountain ranges that are on either side. So the, these aquifers are so complex and, and have so many, all these nutrients and things coming into different back in, you know, they'll go down into a spot and come back into the river at a different spot, you know, adding nutrients to that basically confluence of water that you don't see, you know, because it's all underneath the surface. But, and it made me think about one, your, your comment about these trout moving around to find food in all these different places, like, Hey, duh, you know, they, they know, they know that where these concentrations of nutrients or cold water or wherever that is, they're, they're going to it. Um, but it was just, it was interesting to, to realize that the, a whole uh, new life was just down in these aquifers moving around, you know, and, and um, anyways, does that make sense? Are you following me or am I, am yeah. I, am I getting off yeah. on a weird tangent? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so much going on that, that subsurface that we don't see and you know guy montana is um inundated right now with with folks non-resident landowners that are buying you know ranches for sporting value and uh they're rehabbing a lot of these little creeks hoping to make a you know a trout fishery out of them and even though on the front end it doesn't seem like it's it's going to do much just improving the quality of that water, you can watch those bugs and everything move up into it in very short time. So you've seen and you've seen the effects from? of this, then, huh? Oh, hands down, that's absolutely. Cool. That's good to hear. Yeah. If any of you are interested in what I'm talking about, it's um, season one, episode six of um, the OP podcast that John McMillan did with uh, Jack Stanford. Super interesting. They talk about salmon and. Um, you know, steelhead and, yeah. and, Czech, uh, and all I these mean, other places, but the bug, the bug story was pretty cool. I just thought I'd yeah, bring that up real if, quick. All, all the shows on the network are, I'm so happy with everybody's, you know, 
they their commitment to it first of all and then they're just you know they're light years ahead of where we were at the same point in time like our right. we our, our first year was dog shit you know it wasn't dog shit but it definitely wasn't yeah, as good as, as these others that are in that the network way. i i think they're just you're the well one they're more mature and they've you know i, I don't know they just they're they're domain experts in their in their respective fields and and um they got a lot to say and share and add value and they're definitely worth um signing up for and listening um i wanted to ask you going back to all this stuff going on um rooster you know you've been in this industry and dealt with a lot of the uh, your clients traveling um does this you know kind of a lot of people talk about just like travelers uh, the, the insurance right that you can purchase um, to protect yourself against the unforeseen. Um, do, do you have any like thought? I mean, this is a little early to be talking about some stuff like this, but um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on, around that? Or um, well, yes, I do. And over the years, I I've actually stopped recommending that that guests purchase travel insurance, and, mm-hmm. and that's probably wrong of me to do that. I don't. I I for sure don't push it on them. Um, Every single person in the world, or at least in the United States, is very familiar with our insurance system. And it sucks until you need it. And then it's really handy. <laughs> so, you know, we're all paying for more stuff than we need. You know, more taxes, more insurance, got to have this, got to have that. And I, I don't, I never push it on people, but. I kind of wish I had it on the trip. I just, I just backed out of it. I would have been able to, to pay the guide that I had booked in Florida and, and not even had to have the discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, he said, screw it, Rooster. You know, I get it. Just same dates next year. And that's fine. But had I been a different person, I don't know that it would have went that way. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be dealing with these cancellations in the next 60 days as well. I, I haven't been hit by them yet as our season doesn't really get rolling until the middle of May. Um, we've got a little window here. Travel insurance. I, I, I don't want to tell people no. I'll say that. Um, did, did it cut out for you there, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know if we just lost his connection or something. Yeah. Are you still there, Rooster? I am, yeah. I don't know where you dropped. Um, yeah, it just sounds still, sounds weird. Yeah, it got Something a little wonky there. Echo, echoing. Is that better? Yeah, that, that is better. Yes, thank you. Yep. What can you just I repeat? Repeat the last fifteen seconds. Um, as far as insurance, uh, I, I, I've stopped telling people no. I'll never tell people no. Don't purchase that again. Uh, like I said, it's it's a pain in the butt until you need it. So, it, it, for some short amount of money can cover the bases on some of these unfortunate catastrophes, then, then it's money well spent and people understand what they're getting into when they will travel. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I gotta, with, with respect yeah. to the, with respect to the cancellations guys, um, I've been, I've talked to several guides and, and they are getting, they are getting cancellations, but what's interesting is they're getting cancellations that are, closest in their calendar to today if that makes sense and then it's kind of you know it's creeping out as this as this goes on um 
they're they're they continue to get them but what they're not getting is cancellations like later in the year so far in big numbers which is which Mm -hmm. is good you know people are just basically kind of you know they got their trip but the closer it gets to the date the more anxiety they get and they pull the plug so the further out you are from today in terms of your your uh your your thing uh or your your reservation the more likely you are to keep it is what's been going on it seems like um for those yeah. listening that actually yeah. have trips booked in the future um you know you you should probably call your guide and talk to him and just see like you know how far you can you can hold off before um you know what kind of grace period do you have you know do try and work with your guide though they're trying to make a livelihood and a really really you know trying time and um if you can work something out with them that's that'd be better than just canceling right yeah and that's something that i was gonna just say too is that um you know we've been given seen some some great information coming out of like hogan brown he he mentioned you know if you if you have to cancel a trip um you know don't ask for a refund or a credit you know but you know just apply that to some point in the future right like hey this is gonna this is gonna go away let's rebook you know um you know, out down the road here a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, just that cash flow thing is going to like rooster was talking about earlier is going to be a big pinch on, on some of these folks. Yeah. So if you can stomach it, you know, and obviously afford it uh, a whole different story, but, um, yeah, just to, to try to keep these guys, keep these guys going. I think it's going to be important. Yeah. I, I think like any, anything else in life, communication is 99% of the recipe for success. Yeah. And it's so easy to communicate anymore via text or email or phone call. Uh, stay in touch with your guide or your lodge, your outfitter or your booking agent. Yeah. Um, I would recommend a phone gonna, call these days for now. Yeah. You know, it's going to minimize any surprises that you might either have or bestow on some or sap like that's hoping you're going to show up. Yeah. pretty easy to reach out and especially now when we're kind of all killing time yeah cool um nick anything else um i mean gosh there's there's so much that just to talk about it sometimes just have to step back and take a deep breath yeah it's, <laughs> it's my mind my mind's been on the financial industry, you know, it's kind of what I do. And so I've just been on the phone a lot with all my clients and, um, you know, it's, it's, um, we're still in business, you know, that's what's great about my industry is that we can do a lot from, you talk about the communication, you know, just through email and, and texting and talking. I mean, we're accepting life applications, all kinds of stuff's going on still right now, but, um, you know, you start wrapping your head around all these industries that are going to be affected. It's, um, it's just tough to swallow a little bit. You know, yeah. right. Cool. Um, um, but definitely want to go fishing. That's, that's been on my mind lately. I need to get out, get out of the office in the house, and, and go throw a fly somewhere. <laughs> yeah, as far as I can tell, there's no restrictions in in Butte County, and and you know, right. these, if the fly shops open, is a good indication that you know you can still go out and recreate. If that's even a word. Yeah, I got a, a text from a local fly shop like, hey, you know, um, we're, we're shutting doors down, but if you need anything, just, you know, let us know. We'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah, um, right. thank you for saying that, Nick. Yeah, I got a, a text from, from Mac 
today at fish first and Chico and, and they're, they're closed. But if, um, if you need anything like Nick saying, shoot them a text, if you don't have his number, um, reach out to us, DM us on Instagram and we'll hook you up. Um, another good one is Cal Trout. Uh, just posted yeah. something on a link in their bio on Instagram. They have a recommendation of 10 videos, um, to check out, you know, while, while, uh, you guys might be in quarantine with some cool fishing videos to kind of maybe cool. take your mind off of all this madness. And we're, we're talking uh-huh. to them in, in about 30 minutes here. We're doing, we're doing about four hours of shows today. I probably won't even be able to think by six, but do my best. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Trying to stack them for folks, you know, give them extra content to listen to for the next, next, uh, God, when do you guys, I know how, don't know. How I just, uh, real quick rooster, um, give everybody, uh, a little good time to shine, man. Um, how do people get in contact with you? I, I know I've, I've never met you, but I sure as hell would love to go fishing with you just based on, uh, some of the stuff I've learned from you over the last hour. But, uh, how do, how do people, uh, uh, when it always blows over, how do they find you? How do they come up and, and get a chance to fish with you? Oh, it's pretty simple. Uh, our website, of course, stoneflyoutfitters.com. Uh, if that's too much to remember it, I fella told me the other day, if you just Google rooster and fishing, uh, there, there we are. There I am. There it all is. Videos, blogs, websites. Um, you could probably even find out some dirty jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. All right. Anything else you guys want, want to add? Thank you very much rooster for, uh, your time with us today. I really appreciate it. I, I honestly, uh, and praying and hoping that this stuff blows over faster than everybody is saying. And yeah. um, people get back into your boat and, and are doing are back to normal and fishing. Yeah. Again soon. I, I would just like to say, um, if, if you, uh, if you're aware of couch or not couch out too, but, um, cast hope, uh, you know, most of their revenue for their nonprofit comes from these, from live events guys and their entire calendars nuked. We're going to be talking to Hogan Brown and Tracy Diaz. Uh, Hogan's with, with, uh, God, I can't even think. Help me out, Nick. Um, Cast Hope. Cast Hope. And Tracy's with Caltrout. And um, you guys are going to learn more about that on the next episode, um, which will be coming here soon. Um, Ways you can help them um, get on their websites, caltrout.org or casthope.org, and leave whatever you can for them as a donation any any bit helps um you know cast hopes in in a real real bad spot this year they're behind the eight ball and they're getting kids out on the water please help them that's all i got rooster any last words be safe everybody and catch some fish thanks that's man. About all I can I, i'm going this weekend rain or shine good yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time, Rooster. We really appreciate it. And go, everybody go check them out. Um, uh, awesome, awesome outfitter to, to go have fun, whether it's in Montana or elsewhere. So, and, uh, um, everybody. Yeah. So. Thanks for listening. And um, by, by the way, the audio quality, uh, is going to be like this for a while. I've got the system at my house and everybody else is calling in. Even Nick, we need to, you know, practice the safe distance thing. So thanks for listening, guys. Next thing you know, we'll be sending smoke signals. <laughs> I, I hope not man <laughs> all right man take her easy stay safe everybody 
special thanks to our sponsors. Without them, this show would not be possible. Like this episode? Leave a review, grab some gear, or become a Patreon supporter. Links are in this episode's description. This show is part of the Barbless Podcast Network. For sponsorship inquiries or general questions, please email fishon at barbless.co. No better, fish better. This has been an AMP Audio Production.